Step into the incense and whiskey sanctuary with mindfulness enthusiasts and verified whiskey lovers, Mecca and Ashley, as they discuss all the random topics they love, from mindfulness to memes. This is Ashley. And this is Mecca. We are joined today by our friend, Erin Brown, who's a Chicago-based well-being coach who started her healing journey while in an intense management consulting career, pause for the snaps, I understand, in which she experienced unprecedented stress, fatigue, and poor physical health. The overachiever in her decided to channel her energy into nourishing herself unconditionally, and she went to on to earn her health and life coaching certification so that she could help other driven women do the same. Through her one-on-one and group coaching programs, she helps her clients design a lifestyle that expands their well-being and personal fulfillment without sacrificing the parts of their lives that matter most. I'm here for all of that. Ooh, welcome, Erin. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is a treat. For sure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So tell us, Erin, how, when did you get started on this journey? How long have you been doing this work for yourself and then for others? So I think it would be a year after I finished business school. So a year into consulting around 2014. And what sort of prompted it was the fact that, you know, in consulting, you're working crazy hours, sometimes working on the weekend. I was getting sick you know, often, like once a month, having something going on. And I even ended up in the hospital a couple of times for bronchitis. And I had never been sick with bronchitis before in my life. Mm. On top of that, I was also just feeling very disconnected with myself. Um, I felt like I had achieved the dream of what people told me would lead to happiness, fulfillment, but I was so miserable and not feeling well. I was stressed, anxious, tired all the time. And so I'm like, okay, if I worked this hard to get here, like, why does it feel this? <laughs> like, why do yeah. I feel terrible? Right, right. Um, so that was really what kicked off my journey where I decided, you know, I really need to figure out, like, how can I take better care of myself? I didn't even know where to begin. And so I just started reading a lot of books. I didn't know what a wellness coach was, but I just knew that I needed to figure out how to feel better uh, physically and also just how to be happier. Right. I can feel that. You mentioned you were, you started to get sick and have these like illnesses that you never had. Are you, would you say that like attributed to your unhappiness? Is that kind of why you brought, brought it up in regards to like you being sick? Well, you know, I would just push through it and, you know, I I had a work hard, play hard mentality. So I don't even think I processed the fact that being sick a lot was making me feel bad. Like I couldn't even connect my emotions to what I was experiencing. Oh yeah. That's how disconnected I was. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So you started reading a few books and just kind of like really understanding what was going on. What were like one of the first two books that you began reading? Um, let's see. So um, there's a book by, oh, I'm going to butcher their name, um, John Kabat-Zahn, I believe the author is, and it's, you know, wherever, 
It's a book on meditation. Okay. So you started like learning about meditation and practice. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. I can't remember the title. No, no, no. But, um, I'll, we'll link I'll it just... in, the, in, the, in the description for the episode. Don't worry. Yeah. Sure. And then in addition to that, just going to therapy um, was, you know, huge. I had, I really hadn't gone before. And so just taking the time to really figure out what it takes for me to be happy, un- be happy, be fulfilled. And also how can I get more in touch with my emotions so that I can really pay attention to the cues that are telling me that I need to nourish myself in some way. Mm-hmm. No, you make a good point. I mean, you, there's a lot of people, they get straight out of school and they just hit the ground running, like go, 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 you know, push through is always the word, push through it, push through it, which is just kind of like, you know, do it until you die, um, <laughs> which isn't always healthy. So within your like, you know, wellness coaching, is there a specific theme that you focus on um, within your practice? No, so initially I was focused on just holistic health and wellness, how to um, be, you know, how to have habits that are healthier. And it was very broad. And I would say I have, you know, clients who kind of had a wide variety of issues from health to stress and whatnot. But what I noticed is the common thread came down to a lack of boundaries because no matter, you know, what, where you are in your wellness journey, if you don't have the boundaries in time, energy, space, what have you to actually focus on it, then you can't really achieve your goals. And so I ended up talking to all my clients about the same thing, which is boundaries, how to set boundaries so you can take care of yourself, um, spend more time on the things that really light you up and, um, you know, be able to rest. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I like that. So you kind of found that boundary setting and creating boundaries was like the, the one common denominator amongst all of them. Exactly. It's everything. And I didn't realize it as much until I started working with more clients. And I realized, wow, this really determines your quality of life. Right. Can you tell us some, I think you, in, in listening to you just now, I think it's, it was, we were able to hear how you identify a need for boundaries, but do you have any particular words of advice or thoughts on how someone can begin to identify that they need to set boundaries for themselves in, in any of these areas? Yes. So I think, first of all, if you are finding that you are feeling frustrated or even resentful of other people, that's a really good cue that there might be a boundary you need to put in place or a boundary that you have that's not being honored. Mm Because often when we're frustrated, it's because something is not going in the way we need it to, to, you know, to have the feeling that we want to feel. And it could be in our, you know, across the board for our bodies, for our minds, you know, for our spirits, but that frustration comes from a place of something not being fulfilled. And it often leads to resentment. I find at its worst where you are then um, actually blaming <laughs> the people in your life or you're in victim mode um, because you're not getting what you need. And this can come from coworkers, people you're in relationships with in your family, romantic relationships, friendships, any types of people you're in relationship with. So that's 
um, a big one. I think another one is when you're overwhelmed. You know, people think when they're overwhelmed, they feel like they're out of control. They just have so much on their plate. They don't know what to do. And that is an invitation to ask yourself, where do I need to put up a boundary so I can focus on the things that truly matter and let go what doesn't, delegate what doesn't, or even defer things that are not most important now to a later date. So it's like setting boundaries on what your priorities are. And then I would say, you know, another thing is just if you're feeling, you know, at its most basic level, boundaries keep us safe. If you're ever feeling yeah. unsafe, you know, mm-hmm. where does the boundary need to be put in place? It be unsafe physically or emotionally. Um, so those are key indicators. All right. So feeling overwhelmed, feeling confusion and frustration are like key indicators to let you know it's time to start setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Is there an exercise you would like um, give to your clients or give to our listeners like a simple exercise they can start thinking about or maybe some reflection questions they can use to prompt themselves to start the process of creating boundaries? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I love journaling. I think it's such a great practice to be in uh, just to get to know yourself and be in more of an intimate relationship with yourself. So I just ask them to write down, you know, what is coming up for me right now? Mm -hmm. Um, What is at the root of this issue? Why is this bothering me? Um, What do I need to feel good in this situation? And then, you know, who do I need to communicate with, if anybody, because sometimes the boundaries we need to put in place are with ourselves. Um, But who do I need to communicate with to support me in this uh, boundary? So it's just really getting clear on what is going on that's causing you to feel out of alignment. Right. Okay. I like that. So starting a journal and some prompts. I like that. Would you say people should put some type of like consequence in place if a boundary is crossed or disrespected? Yeah, that's that's a touchy subject. And I do think you have to, honestly, because if there is no consequence, there's no incentive for the person you're in relationship with to actually honor those boundaries if it's something that they're not used to or they don't agree with. A consequence could be spending less time with someone, um, not always being available for their phone calls, um, maybe creating more space in your response time to them. Those are just some examples. Um, And I know (laughs) this is another example. I worked with a client who had a money boundary with her family Mm -hmm. and a consequence is like, if you keep on asking me for money, I am not going to answer your calls. And and that's a really hard one, but she has to train them. Um, She had to train them to honor the fact that they cannot always ask her for money. And that was really hard. So that's just an example, but it comes out in so many different ways, but those are the big things, just like creating space in your interactions with that person are probably the the best um, ways to handle it. Yeah. Mm. I think Erin, what I just heard you lay out were really, really useful tips on how to identify when you need to create a boundary, how to define what those boundaries are for yourself. Could you talk to us a little bit more how to communicate those? Well, you kind of have, but tell us a little bit more about how to communicate those boundaries to the people we are engaging with who may have difficulty struggle or, you know, struggle to accept that. Um, And then how do you go about maintaining it when they don't accept it? Do you have any thoughts to share on that? So I would first offer the suggestion to my clients, and I've done this myself, you know, think about whether you really 
made it clear to that person why you need to set that boundary. Because sometimes we're afraid to even have the conversation. We put up a boundary and the person doesn't even understand fully what's going on. So it may take you being vulnerable and courageous to explain the impact of something on how it makes you feel. And, you know, not blaming them, but just say, this is the impact on me and this is how I need to handle it so that I can feel better in this relationship with you because I care about this relationship. Yeah. And I've seen scenarios personally where that's actually helped um, that person accept it, even though they still did not like it, they were able to accept it because they saw how I was really struggling in that situation. Um, but if the person still, you know, is not receptive to that, or if you've already done that, had that conversation, then you, you really have to consider a, as someone who should be in your life period. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's up to you to determine whether that is, that should be the case or not. But if they should still be in your life, if you want them to be in your life, then it's just about creating space on um, how you interact with them and being more in charge of the conditions, you know, whether it's, you know, how many, for instance, for the holidays, how many hours do you spend at your parents' house? Mm. Um, You know, how often you have phone calls, again, going back to that, you know, how often do you allow yourself to receive that energy from them? So that's how I would address that. Thank you. I love that. I like that. What would you suggest, um, like where we are now with, you know, people working from home, kids are working from home. I mean, yeah, kids are going to school from home and there's just this, you know, a lot of at-homeness, right? So what kind of boundaries, what kind of typical boundaries are people like should be setting up now to kind of like engage in this like self-care and making sure that they're not you know, burning out on both ends. Is there something specific we should be working on while we're at home? Yeah, that's a great question because I don't know when this pandemic is going to end. So we, <laughs> if you Let haven't figured it out already, you better figure it out now. Um, right. So I mean, I can say there was a time when I was just working nonstop because, you know, I don't have kids. And so it's like, I didn't have that natural break to say, okay, I need to turn off to tend to someone else. And Also, sometimes you can work with people who expect you to be on call because of your situation. You know, if you do live alone, you, they think you have all the time in the world. Right. But I think regardless of your situation, whether you're living with other people, family, by yourself, you have to create, um, expectations. I know that teams, and I've done this with my team, like creating new working norms and understanding, okay, what do I need in my day? What do you need in your day? I know that, you know, maybe my colleague needs to take a break during lunchtime to work out, or someone needs to, you know, be offline between the hours of six and 9 PM, you know, Mm -hmm. just setting those working norms so that everyone's on the same page and they know what to expect from you. Right. I think also, you know, if you can, in your home, creating separate spaces for work and living your life, you know, at mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. So I personally like to, you know, when I step away from work, I step away from the part of my apartment. That's my, my little office. And I go to the other part of my um, apartment. That's more for like just living, you know, right. that makes sense. So I like that physical space, but also just, you know, making agreements with yourself um, on the times you need to take care of yourself and blocking your calendar. I like that. So just kind of setting your own boundaries with, within your time frame and then the expectations of people that you are interacting exactly. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And to your point, Erin, I, I agree. If we haven't figured this out yet, this is the time, right? Um, to communicate those expectations and boundaries around. I had a colleague ask me the other day, do you work on weekends? And I couldn't even believe he asked me. <laughs> like, is that a real question? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. Unless I'm working on something myself to get ahead, I do not. Please don't expect for me to do something on the weekend. Um, and I, it, you're right. I think now's the best time, if ever, to say, hey, I tend to work out around lunchtime. I'm going to need to, you know, be offline from these hours to these hours. Um, the sooner we can get to doing that, the better for our lives overall post-pandemic, for sure. Absolutely. So really appreciate that. I agree. I feel like this is also the time that whatever we were holding our breath during, like, you know, oh, I, I'm not interested in having this meeting, this phone call, this interaction, all of that has decreased now. And we can kind of control a narrative with this downtime and, and in-home shut-in. I'm doing air quotes. I'm so glad as you now. say this stay-at-home-ness or whatever. <laughs> it is. Stay it's stay-at-home. It's a stay-at-home-ness. It's creating these phrases, y'all. Stay-at-home-ness. I love it. I love right. it so much. Erin, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us in regards to like what one should be, you know, even considering, I know you work like on the corporate side and you also work on the, you know, the, you know, it's not non-corporate side. Like, is there, is there anything that one, you know, kind of like some indicators that people may have within the workplace or, or personally that kind of trigger them like, you know what, I need to seek outside help. I need to seek some services and, and get some help. I think if you are feeling disempowered to, um, make the changes you need to make on your own. You need to have someone that will keep you accountable, mm. help uncover any limiting beliefs or subconscious barriers that are keeping you stuck. So if you are feeling disempowered and stuck, you definitely need to engage with a coach to help you um, or a therapist. You know, coaches and therapists are very different, but you need someone on your team to help you. Right. Okay. I love that. I like so that. Aaron, let's say somebody listening today and they said, I need to reach out to someone. Erin seems like a great person. Where can the people find you? Let us know. Sure. So my website and Instagram handles are both live well with Erin. Erin is spelled E-R-I-N-N-E. So find me on my website, livewellwithaaron.com or on my IG. And I'm always sharing wellness tips. Subscribe to my newsletter. I love writing my newsletter every month because I share some things in wellness that I'm working on personally, uh, because I feel like the journey is never done, right? There's levels to this. Yes. So I love sharing about that and just, you know, things that I'm thinking about that are on my mind. Um, also, I love, love, um, you know, really meeting women who are ready to start that journey to be empowered and set boundaries so that they can get what they want. So reach out to me if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will be announcing a group coaching program next month, but I do have some limited, limited slots open for individual coaching. So if you are interested, definitely um, send me a note. Yeah. Perfect. Love that. She would definitely have some handles on our Instagram post for this, for this episode um, in case you didn't get it all written down, but we absolutely love, love having you. If you could leave us with one Insta therapy quote, I don't know. Ooh. We have this this Insta therapy quote. If you can leave us leave us with one like Insta therapy quote that one would kind of like think about at the end of this segment. 
That's so funny. <laughs> That's funny because I actually just posted something um, yesterday, and what I posted was, "You are not worthy because of what you do. You are worthy simply because you be." Love a whole it. Word. A whole word right there. Love yeah. it. Yeah. They say opposites attract, but do they? Let's play a game called Fire and Ice. Mecca and Aaron, it's time for Fire and Ice. Are you ready, my friends? I'm yes. ready. Definitely. Okay. The theme today is Fire and Ice, 90s Black Sitcom Edition. Okay. There's one exception in here, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we're talking about all Black characters, so let me clarify. All right. So... The first one, if Carlton Banks and Lisa Turtle went on a first date, what would the date be? They actually did go on a date. Hey, they did. Not a yes. idea. Did like I miss the that? Characters or like the actors? It, it was the so Carlton Banks went on a date with uh, the character of uh, Lisa Turtle, but I'm sorry, okay. it wasn't Lisa Turtle. She was she was the actress. Okay. Oh, okay. Game. All right. So let me so say, let me your mind that act like, like that. that didn't happen. She <laughs> wasn't playing. She wasn't playing Lisa. She wasn't playing Lisa Turtle. She was herself uh, playing a different character. A different character. Okay. But imagine the characters. Okay. Like, I would where, say where their first date would be like, um, Ooh, why did I just get a brain freeze? <laughs> I would say their first date would probably be like a, um, like a chess game, like a chess game with wine. They can watch these okay. group of people playing chess because they're so interested in that, playing wine. But they would have to end the night by going to some type of like fashion art um, space because Lisa was very much so into fashion. Uh -huh. um, so she has to put a little bit of her own personality on the date. That's what I would say. Okay, any thoughts okay. here? <laughs> So I was actually thinking it has to be super bougie. So yes. there's like some yeah. private members only club that Carlton is a member of. Like and that. he brings Lisa to this club and she's super impressed. She gets to wear her cutest outfit, her like cutest shoes. And yeah, they're just like, you know, eating, <laughs> you know, whatever fancy <laughs> fine dining at I this private it. club. <laughs> That's exactly what I imagined. I imagined it being like some yacht club or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what okay, I, I like that. Okay, next one. If Claire Huxtable gave Vivian Banks, original, old school Vivian Banks, parenting advice, what would it have been? Oof, this is a good one. <laughs> Ashley, um... If Claire Huxtable was to give Vivian Banks, the original Vivian Banks, yeah, um, parenting advice, what would it be? Ooh, okay, let's see. If she was to be able to give them parenting advice, I would say, and I don't have to be the one to go first, Erin, you totally can jump in. Um, I'm still thinking. I would say, you know, keep one eye open. I want to say something around, I want to say something around that one scene where Vanessa went away on that concert 
like in Wisconsin or or I forget what city it was, but she just she that big mad comment and like big fun, something yeah. around having big fun and being big mad um, and keeping one eye open. I feel would be the be the proper thing for Miss for uh, for Claire to tell Vivian. Okay, so what I'm okay. saying for that is like never underestimate these kids, basically. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for summing it up. Yeah, never ed- underestimate these kids. Any thoughts, Erin? Yeah, so Mecca, I'm glad you went first because it sort of inspired my response. <laughs> so do you remember when Ashley was trying to pursue a music career and her dad was like not about it? Yes. Um, and she was, you know, wearing kind of skimpier clothing and he just wasn't used to it. He was freaking out. So I think Claire, having learned from what her daughter did from when Vanessa just like went off without telling her, she would tell Vivian to be open to her daughter pursuing this dream so that she wouldn't do it behind her back. Oh, I can see Claire Huxley taking that. That's nice. I can see that. I can see that. Y'all, Urkel has to choose between (laughs) going on a date with. Tia or Tamara, college age from Sister Sister, who does he choose? Ooh. That would require us to really know the personalities of the sisters. I'll be honest, I kind of forget. Um, (laughs) Let me remind you. From what I remember of the show, Tia was the more straight-laced, studious sister and Tamara was the more boy crazy, I want to have fun sister. So imagine that an Urkel has to decide which one of them he wants to pursue. I would say probably would try to go with Tamara um, only because it's opposite of who he is. Um, she's always down. I remember that character. She was always done down to have great fun. Um, if Am I correct? Was Roger the one that had a crush on her? Roger had a crush mm-hmm. on the twin. On the was twin. it both? Yeah. Of yeah. Okay. So kind of like in that same, like, you know, I'm a big nerd, but he could, you know, Urkel can turn on Stefan in a minute. So yeah, I was just thinking that with like Urkel and, or Stefan and uh, Roger scrap over to you to me. <laughs> Would that oh, happen? <laughs> but, but it wouldn't even be a competition because Stefan was so smooth. Yeah, that's true. That wouldn't even need to happen. That's true. Accurate. All right, another one. The cast of Living Single goes on a group vacation. I don't remember any time in the show where they like all went on a vacation together. Maybe it happened, but if, let's say they did, where would they go? The first word that came to my mind was Jamaica. Um, because it wasn't so far out there. They lived in New York, going to Jamaica was really easy um, from New York. And it was, you know, kind of a vacation spot like in the nineties with this group that would just fit so well. Cause it was like, oh, we've always wanted to go to Jamaica. And then, you know, someone watching it would be like, yeah, that's like the thing to do. I feel like it would give them all like the, the musical aspect, the food um, between Kyle and, um, Oh my God, Maxine. I just feel like that would be like the perfect little fit. All of them. I think they would all have a good time in Jamaica. I'm just making that up. I like it. I like it. I'm surprised that they actually never did that episode because that would have been a really good I think it would have been too. I've I've rewatched the series lately and I don't ever remember seeing that. 
So no, it, a really good episode. Did they take but, separate vacations at all? I, I don't like, remember, but I hmm. think that Overton and um, I can't like blanking on her name right now. I think they went on a cruise. Sinclair. Sinclair. I think we did see Overton and Sinclair go on a cruise for their honeymoon. I think we did see that. But I could just imagine like Regine finding the richest man in Jamaica and trying to run off with him. I could see like um, Kyle and Maxine like losing it and rolling around in the beach together. I mean, I could totally imagine it. Like, I think that it would be a really fun episode to launch. Uh, right. To launch. So Aaron, what did you, what were you thinking? So I see them on a cruise actually. And I already see Maxine hitting up the buffet, eating everything. I like it. True. Facts. And I see, you know, Kyle and, oh, I'm blanking on Queen Latifah's character. Khadija. Khadija. I see them doing like a karaoke moment mm -hmm. and, you know, just like all of them, like running around this cruise ship, causing mayhem, having a good time, having fun. Mm. Regine finding the richest man, like you said, Ashley. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I should go find the ambassador to Jamaica. Right. <laughs> right. That's a great right. for herself. Yes. I love that. Okay. Final one. Martin and Gina have a kid. Did they have a kid on the show? I don't remember. I don't think they did. I don't so think so. Let's say Martin and Gina have a kid. How do you describe that kid's personality? Oof. Hmm. How will we describe Martin and Gina's uh, offspring's personality? I think the kid's got to have like a little attitude, right? Yeah. Have a smart mouth. Um, be smart and really funny. I think he gets like his, you know, his sort of rational, smart side from his mom. Mm -hmm. And then he gets like more of the smart mouth in the sense of humor from his dad. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I feel like there was a kid on the show. I can't remember this kid. He had a kid, but it turned out not to be his kid. You're right. Was he, all, was he, but no, the kid that I'm referring to Okay, so okay, okay. You just you just you just made me remember something. That little boy was actually the little boy from Moesha. Oh yeah, Moesha's yeah, yeah. little brother oh, with the right. ears. Yeah. But I was referring to the character that Martin plays when he's like on his knees with the sneakers <laughs> on his knees. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that about kid. that kid. <laughs> So essentially, this if they had a kid, it would be like a mini Martin, essentially. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I love oh it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a round of fire and ice. Thank you. Fire and ice. Thank you for playing. Thank you. I like this version. That was fun. Fun. <laughs> Catch us next time on Incense and Whiskey. In the meantime, take a breath, have a sip. <laughs>